Welcome, investigator. Evil is on the rise. Crime is escalating. Our mission is to eliminate the crime by exposing evil, examine why it manifests, and highlight the brave souls that confront it every day. Join us as we work together to bring justice to every victim. Welcome to All Things Crime. Here's your host, Jared Bradley. I don't understand why it's so complicated. You know, people are people are honestly, it's almost like boringly predictable. Yes. If if there's if there's an an incentive to do something, you're more likely to do it. Mm-hmm. And if there's a punishment for doing something, you're less likely to do it. It's that easy. And it, and it, it, it yeah, it it well, is no more complicated you, you, than that. Now you, you know, mentioned you, before stop and frisk, okay? And stop and frisk, as I'm sure you probably realize, is actually is not stop and frisk. When it was implemented back in the early 90s, at my time, okay, it was stop, question, frisk. It was the SQF. And in fact, you were, you were made to do it. They had a little card. You, wanted to, you had to fill it out, SQF form, stop, question, and frisk. And this is based off of, this was a, a Bill Bratton thing, if I'm not mistaken, okay? But there's nothing illegal about stopping anybody, okay? Because we in America work off of English common law, right? And in English common law, we all, you, I, everybody in the nation, has the simple right to inquiry, okay? We all have this right. So the police, you know, would get out of the car. Hey, how you doing? Excuse me, sir. How you doing today? All right? There, I've stopped you. This is my inquiry, okay? Now, if you act suspiciously, you know, maybe make a furtive movement, as they say, you know, can't tell me where you're coming from or where you're going. Now, you don't have to. You don't have to tell me anything, but everybody always does, you know? Mm -hmm. And through this, especially the more you do it, the better you are at it, especially if you're already a New York City person who, who, who grew up there, you know, you have a good feel for what's right and wrong, okay? And that does what? It raises my suspicions, you see? And then I could take it to the next level, okay? There's absolutely nothing illegal or nefarious about it. It is stop, question, and frisk. Now, this being put into place was fantastic. Why? Because, again, a place like the Bronx, okay? Bad guys all over the place. And so much of it is based on, you know, just the way you survive is based on street cred, you know, in, in, in having a presence in the neighborhood. And so you have these dummies that would shoot each other daily, okay, for nothing more than the idea that somehow you disrespected me. I don't like how you looked at me. I don't like how you looked at my girl. You know, you stepped in front of me online, whatever stupid nonsense they could come up with. And they immediately go to shooting each other. Okay. Half of this is out of bravado. Half of it is out of fear because they don't want to be shot either. But regardless, when SQF went into, into place in the early nineties, and we were then not only encouraged to, but forced to do this job and to fill out the form. Remember, there's a form for everybody that you fill out, okay? When we were forced to do this, what the bad guys immediately realized is they can't run around with guns. And it's the same thing, too. If you're getting stopped for smoking marijuana or stopped for drinking a beer or stopped for any number of nonsense things, okay, that's that's where we go back to. Everybody calls it broken windows, but we used to call it quality of life crimes. Okay. But again, if I'm going to stop you because you're walking around with a 40 in your hand, you're not going to carry a gun. Now you get into a beef in the, in the bodega or at McDonald's or wherever you are with this guy who you would very much like to shoot, but now you got to walk all the way back home. And then when you get home, you got to walk up two or three flights of stairs, 
go into your closet, get the pistol, stick it in your your hoodie or your, your pants pocket, right? Walk all the way back to where you had. There's a very good chance you're going to change your mind. And or the guy you want to cap has taken a walk. He's gone. And there you go. One less homicide in the Bronx today. Okay. And the police had nothing to do with it except for the fear of the police stopping you, you know, and this nonsense too, where people say, well, you shouldn't be afraid of the police. Well, you know what? You should be afraid of the police. If you're a bad guy and you're doing bad things, you should be afraid of being caught and being arrested and being tried and being put in prison. So yes, you should be afraid of that. You know? Yeah. And there's the a little police, asterisk onto that saying, so, well, you know yes. what? You should never be afraid of the police if you're not doing anything wrong. Correct. But if you're, yeah, if you're a scumbag and you're out to cap somebody, then yeah, you should be afraid of the police because if they catch you and you're in the middle of that, or if they catch you after you've done it, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. And that's, that's but the way it should be. When I was in like the, the aforementioned uh, anti-crime unit, all right, which now is, is no more. They've gotten rid of anti-crime. They, the other unit I talked about too, SNU, Street Narcotics, Enfor- Street Narcotics Enforcement Unit, they've gotten rid of these things because mm-hmm. they, they decided they were too proactive, all right? And during the, um, what was that idiot's name? Bill de Blasio's reign, okay? He removed these things. And then they wonder why crime goes up. Well, because you're not getting the bad guys before they get to do bad things, <laughs> which is what we were doing. But during the uh, my anti-crime time, you know, we could literally do 30 stops in a night. There was nothing to it, you know, sometimes probably maybe 50, okay? And it, again, it's not that we're looking out, looking to harass people, you know? Yes, we would target people that we deemed suspicious, worthwhile, worth stopping. And there's a lot of little things that you pick up on that, you know, people fooling around with their pants, you know, uh, how, how they're dressed and not because they happen to be black or Hispanic or whatever, but it's the whole way they move, act, you know, et cetera. You know, yeah, quite often people don't realize it's not ex-cons, ex-cons tend to walk next to a building, okay? Because it's, it's what they've learned in prison it's safer to be on the edge of the building than to be on the edge of the um, what do they call those balcony things that they're on? You know, oh, yeah. it's a safety it's a safety precaution. You know, and so you just pick up on these things because it's our job to pick up on them. You know, you start to learn, and once you get good at it, you know, you start catching guys. But it was not unheard of at all for us to stop that many people a night, and if you're lucky, come up with a gun or two. And that's not easy either. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to get guns off the street. It really is, and uh, sadly. Now, with all of this being stopped, you know, in fact, I think the, the the new moron in charge, what is his name? I can't think of it right now. He's decided to, to restart an anti-crime unit, but they're in uniform instead of being plain closed. So, again, you know, you're giving the guys a heads up because it, it's 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 hard enough. It's hard enough for the police to sneak up on bad guys to begin with. You know, if you put them in uniform, it's it, you, you're cutting that in half, you know. And uh, yeah, well, and then you combine the power of social media and texting and all that kind of stuff. And, yep. you know, you, you may as well just, you know, put a, put a flashing light on top of the guy and absolutely say, yeah, this is, this is the area you want to avoid. And yeah, it's bad guys get smarter and they adjust. And, and the thing about it is they, they adjust so much quicker than, uh, they're like a small business versus some monolith government en- entity. You know, you can adjust to the, the changing environment so much quicker than yeah you know than a big entity like well, you know the entire us, police force like, you know, can in, in narcotics in particular th- these were very 
very serious businesses. I mean, they made, you know, millions of dollars a year, some of these gangs, right? And yes, we had to play by their rules, you know? Everything was based on their time clock. Everything is, was based on what they did, their new innovations. And they are very, very, a very innovative bunch, you know? And if you think that they don't know the rules, they don't know the laws, they don't, don't know how to get around it. I mean, you know, we're probably overall, I mean, if, if we're catching 5% of what's going on in the city, it's a lot, mm. you know? And that's, yeah. that sounds very disheartening, but it's true. We're just, we're just scratching the surface, man. And that goes for any major city in the country. You know, yeah. you're, you're really yeah. not getting it done. It's, you're constantly shoveling sand against the tide, you know, constantly. So one of the things you, you wrote to me was you, when you retired, you were medically discharged. What was that about? Yes. Well, during my time in narcotics, I, uh, what do you call it? I had a, a very nice young drug dealer cut my finger off. All right. My right index finger and my middle finger. It's kind of a funny story. I'll tell you. What do you call it? We were, we had just gone out uh, for the night. Now, when we used to work narcotics, we would break up into usually three cards. You'd have the the arrest the arresting officer with the boss with the sergeant, okay. Then the uh, a, an additional chase car. You'd have a couple of undercover cops, you know, who would go out and buy drugs, okay, because we'd be doing these buy and bust operations. And then the P van, which is the prisoner van. All right. Now this particular night, me and my partner Nikki were in the P van, the prisoner van. And this was a rotating thing. Every, every, every night, somebody would do something different. And sometimes it even split the night, but I won't get into those details. So we were, we, we were working the 4-7 precinct that night, which is a precinct we usually didn't work because it was a little bit slower than some of the other ones further south. But we were up there on this evening because there were some complaints. And we had just gotten out, and we had, it was fairly early simply because we, for us, because we, we didn't start until about 10 o'clock. So you think it's probably about 11 o'clock at night but we, we were out there. And we pull up, and as soon as we park our, our van, I look over, and I'm like, look at that. These guys are pitching. In other words, they're selling drugs literally, you know, in, in the doorway in front of where we parked. Didn't even notice us, right? So we sit there. We put it over the, the radio. Don't bother sending it under, undercover. We'll just scoop these guys up because we'll do it real quick. We'll get them for possession. We'll get them for intent to sell. You know, we'll see if we can find their stuff, all right? We hop out of the car, out of the van, rather. And I walked up first and I had my hood pulled up over my head and the fellow who was manning the door. So it was a vestibule. And if you're not familiar with the vestibule for your listeners, it's usually two doors, right? There's a door to the building and then you enter the vestibule and then there's a second door that lets you into the building. And this is to keep the weather out, you know, and, and that's where the mailboxes are. So the mailman can come do the mail, you know, that kind of thing. And usually the first door is unlocked. As I went up, I was pushing the door open with my hand. And this fellow had his back to me. He didn't even see me. But his partner was sitting on the steps right across the vestibule. Yelled, 5-0, 5-0, right away, you know, meaning the police. And the guy with his back to me just turned immediately and, like, karate kicked the door closed, right? It came down, bang, right across my two fingers is what it caught. Took my index finger off and smashed up my middle finger pretty good, all right? Of course, I screamed, had a few expletives, you know. The two of them shot into the building, Never to be found, never to be seen again. Bang, they're gone. I'm holding my hand, yelling. I'm like, holy crap, you know. My partner, Nikki runs up behind me. He looks at me. He's like, what is it, ghost? You can't believe what's happened, you know. I pick up my finger, all right. We, we, I don't, this is the silly part now. I don't know why in the world we did this, but he helps me back, and I get in the rear of the van instead of the passenger seat of the van. Now, the rear of the van, of RP vans, they were just big, empty cargo vans, all right. So there's no seats for me to sit in. There's no seatbelt to hold me in. 
why in the world we did this, I have no idea. But see, this is what happens when you kind of have the little bit of a panic going on, right? So I'm sitting here, and I got my finger, and I'm hold, holding my, my, my bloody stump in my hand, all right, bleeding all over my shirt. And Nikki races me to Montefiore Hospital, which is probably all of about, I don't know, maybe 20 blocks away. But as he does, he's driving as fast as he can on these city streets, hitting the brakes at the lights, hitting the brakes at the stop sign. I'm sliding across the van, bang, hitting into the seats, yelling at him, stop driving so fast, you stupid bastard. He hits the gas. I'm rolling over on my back, holding onto this finger. You know, in the end, we got to Montefiore, no problem. All right. 45 minutes later, my finger was back on. Okay. Eight months later, I'm out of a job. That's it. And you're like, really? Over your finger? Yes. Well, it was my trigger finger. Okay. And it doesn't work anymore. Even though my finger's back on, it doesn't bend properly, right? And for many, many, it still feels strange, but for many years, it was kind of like your foot goes to sleep. You mm-hmm. know how that, that feeling? That's what my oh, yeah. finger felt like for like 20 years. That's how my finger felt. But the big, the big thing with that is that they don't, they don't care about Travis Myers, all right? What the city is worried about is lawsuits, okay? So had I not been put out on what we call three quarters or a, a, a line of duty injury, if I had ever had a bad shooting, you know, they're afraid of me turning around and saying, hey, you made me go back to work, right? And or if, God forbid, something happened to me, my wife turns around and said, hey, you made him go back to work knowing that he had a bad hand, okay? And what well, happened? So they were worried about you suing, not, not necessarily. Correct. Well, oh, my wow. wife's suing or a bad guy suing, all right, and getting, you know, $600 million when in the big scheme of things, if they pay you, let's say, a million dollars over the rest of your life, you know, I don't know if I'll, if I'll, if I'll live that long, but you know, they, they give you, they give you your pension. All right. They pension you out and you're done. Bang. That's it. Now for me, not so bad because it was my finger, you know, mm. and I was able to do other things with my life. I know a fellow who got the whole side of his face shot off, missing an eye, you know, had terrible headaches his whole life. Another very good friend of mine broke his back, had the p- spinal fusion, you know, for a guy like that, you know, you can never, not that he did, but, you know, he could never go horseback riding, water skiing, you know, play football with his kids. He's in bad shape, you know, and not to mention the pain. So for me, it was not a bad deal at all, except, yes, I would have rather stayed on the job. I would have rather, you know, I would have certainly had a better pension had I stayed because I would have not only been making more money, but you lose all of that, you know, the aggregate. It, 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 I, I didn't get my to my full earning potential in the end, you mm-hmm. see. So but overall, for me, it was not a bad deal you know, considering what happened, even if it wasn't by choice. Thanks for joining us. Your attention today brings us one step closer to exposing and eliminating the evil that brings crime to our communities. Hit subscribe and share this episode. Together, we will bring justice to every victim.